Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 312, and we're going to take a look at what is called the First State Bank of Barbersville, West Virginia. This is another bank failure, but this one goes back to the year 2020. But before we dive in, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because as usual, you guys are awesome. We love to see you here. So a big shout out to Oklahoma, Virginia, California, New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, British Columbia, Illinois, New Jersey, Florida, Georgia, Oregon, Indiana, West Virginia, Colorado, Ohio, Arizona, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Alabama, Washington, Utah, Nebraska, North Carolina, District of Columbia, also known as DC, aka the Swamp, let's drain it. Big shout out to Kansas, Mississippi, Tennessee, Maryland, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Hawaii, Louisiana, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Idaho, let's see Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Wisconsin, Manitoba, Connecticut, Nova Scotia and Newfoundland and Labrador in terms of countries the United States, Canada, Singapore, the United Kingdom, the Russian Federation, the Netherlands, Australia, China, India, Niger, South Africa, Japan, Slovakia, Uzbekistan, Denmark, the Philippines, the Federated States of Micronesia, Hong Kong, Bangladesh, Greece and Israel. Good to see all of you. Okay, so today we're going to talk about another bank failure. We're moving right down our list. Again, this is the first state bank of Barbersville, West Virginia. The the bank that acquired them or that I guess um took over their losses and their loans is MVB Bank Incorporated and that's Amazon Matthew V as in Victor B as in Boy. And again, this bank failed April 3rd, 2020. So let's take a closer look at this. So I'm reading directly from the FDIC.gov website. It says failed bank information for the First State Bank of Barbersville, West Virginia. It says on Friday, April 3rd, 2020, the First State Bank was closed by the West Virginia Divi- Division, excuse me, of Financial Institutions. The FDIC was named receiver. No advance notice is given to the public when a financial institution is closed. I disagree with that, but again, I do understand. MVB Bank Incorporated of Fairmont, West Virginia, acquired all deposit accounts. All shares of stock were owned by the holding company, which was not involved in this transaction. So that's just a blurb. Let me go to the actual press release. So this is what was released directly to the public. So this was released on April 3rd, 2020. It says the First State Bank based in Barbersville, West Virginia was closed today and this is back in time on April 3rd, 2020 by the West Virginia Division of Financial Institutions, which appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, also known as FDIC, as the receiver. To protect depositors, the FDIC entered into a purchase and assumption agreement with MVB Bank Incorporated, a Fairmont or Fairmount, however you want to pronounce that, West Virginia, to assume all of the deposits. Hold on, my screen's acting up. To assume all of the deposits of the First State Bank, the First State Bank has experienced long-standing capital and asset quality issues, operating with financial difficulties since 2015. The bank's December 31st, 2019 financial reports indicated capital levels were too low to allow continued operations under federal and state law. The four branches of the First State Bank will reopen as branches of 
as MVB Bank on Saturday, April 4th, 2020 during normal banking hours. The FDIC strongly encourages bank customers to follow Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidance on social distancing and utilize online and electronic banking capabilities in keeping with West Virginia uh, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice's stay at home uh, order. Customers should visit a bank branch only if an in-person visit is essential and only after making an appointment. So, I did not know that the governor of West Virginia had a stay-at-home order. I was kind of kind of taken aback by that wording. But um here's the thing. A stay-at-home order um does not trump a bank failing and taking your money and you may not have your money anymore. Um disease doesn't care if you're rich or poor. It needs to say neither did this bank. So again, as I've said in times past, banks do not fail just randomly. Like, you know, these things do not just drop out of the sky. As I've said before, bank failures are caused by stupid people doing stupid things with other people's money. And in this case, their problems went back all the way to 2015. I would imagine it actually goes back further. But here's the thing, the pandemic or epidemic, whichever word you want to use, a lot of people use that as an excuse and so I'm glad that the FDIC says in their press release whether or not a bank failed due to the pandemic or if there were other things going on previously to that that actually caused this bank closure and this bank failure. So the FDIC, they have to say it like it is. Like they can't just blame everything on the pandemic. They, you know, you can't just blame everything on COVID-19. You know, banks when they're not doing well and they have problems, it's because upper management is choosing to look the other way. So that's not a COVID-19 problem. That's not a virus problem. That's not a CDC problem. That's not a a stay-at-home order problem. That's a stupid bank doing stupid things problem. So I'm glad the FDIC is saying it like it is because people need to know the truth. about what is going on with these financial institutions that fail cuz to me there's no excuse to fail you know in many i would say well almost always there's really no excuse to fail especially with banks because if you're doing things the right way you shouldn't be failing i mean that that's just kind of a a um, basically a no brainer there so again the reason why these banks fail is because stupid people do stupid things with other people's money and it's almost always upper management so i guarantee you even though this bank failed i guarantee you upper management was living high off the hog and they probably still are living high off the hog because upper management knows how to legally and illegally hide money that's just how it is nothing new about that it's like i've said times past if you want to look for real greed and more of it wall street is the last place to look why because wall street is heavily regulated and it is over regulated so this is why i think it's really important to look at all these little small banks there's so much corruption within these small banks and they get away with it because it's kind of small town um unknown banks and i get very cautious with things like that whenever i'm doing business with someone that is not very well known i'm not saying that you can't do business with someone that that they don't have you know a a big name or notoriety or whatever the case may be whatever that word is but um i i don't fall for the family charm you know the the small town charm you know whatever it is over family you know we are a uh, quote community bank i don't fall for that i just don't because 
you have you, you can very much have really stupid people um doing unethical things but with someone else's money and sometimes that happens in these smaller areas of the United States and it's like i've said in times past sometimes small towns have small minds so that's why i personally choose to do most of my business in a city because there there's less shenanigans i don't like how to deal with small towns i don't like how to deal with ignorant people and i'm not saying that there are not ignorant people in cities ignorant people exist everywhere but there in my personal opinion there's willful ignorance in these smaller places in these smaller towns and maybe even smaller cities and they're very um isolated and i don't just mean because of where they're located but they choose to be isolated and they don't like outsiders but then they do like outsiders if they can get your money so that's just where i get concerned with things like that that's why i prefer to be treated like a number not a person because when someone treats you like a person in situations like this they tend to put you through the ringer and take your money whereas if you're treated like a number you have more respect because they're not using the you know all these um compliments to fool you or to lull you into a false sense of security you know like trying to get you to talk about you know your your family your your career and your hobbies and things like that that has nothing to do with doing business that's why i'm all for just keep it black and white yes and no and then if a relationship does form over time that's great but one of the biggest mistakes that these smaller banks make is they they form these relationships with their customers or clients but they're not real relationships because they don't really care about you. I don't mean that harshly, but if someone's acting all chummy with you like just from the beginning, that that's not just mannerisms. That's them trying to pull something and I don't like that. I would rather people just be who they are so that way I can see who they really are and that will determine whether or not I do business with them. But that's not how these smaller banks and these smaller operations function because they know that basically the way that they get a lot of deals or money is they they fool people into a into a false sense of security in that well gee if they're nice i must be able to trust them no in fact i hardly ever trust nice people i and i especially do not trust um christians or the majority of christians and i don't mean that negatively towards christians because i am a judeo jewish christian i would say but i don't fall for the whole religiosity oh i'm a church goer good for you do you know what they're doing with your money You know, a lot of people don't know what their church is doing with the tithe. And so to me, that is just blatant ignorance and blatant stupidity. So just because someone claims to be a Christian doesn't mean that they are. And again, I love Jesus. I I love the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about is is hypocrisy within the church. And that's very disappointing to me, but I guarantee you it's way more disappointing to God. Because as Christians, we're not supposed to be fooling each other. You know, we're supposed to be telling the truth to each other. and you know, you'd be surprised how many people they they punch their their christianity time card on the weekend or whenever they go to church service but then when they go back to work or whenever they're doing business it's just business as usual and it's like jesus just goes out the window and they just still con- you know they just still continue to live their um very unreligious unholy lifestyle and but they give themselves permission to do that because they've punched their little christian time card on the weekend or whatever Well, I'm not fooled by that, and I don't do business with people that think that way. And so, here's the thing: it limits you on who you can do business with when you think that way. But 
because you're limited on who you want to do business with whenever you do participate in business with someone or you do have a contract with someone it's more on the up and up than with the others because you are raising the bar you're not lowering it you know i i never sell out i protect my integrity with everything that's why i have a very strict rule everything i do i do with integrity and everything i do has to be legal and moral because again just because something is legal does not mean it's moral and you'd be surprised how many people they they give themselves permission to break god's law and they justify it by not breaking by not breaking excuse me the laws of the land typical occupations that do this are banks financial institutions accountants and I include CPAs lawyers and I would say human resource managers I can't stand human resources because they they're not for protecting people at all they are for protecting the posterior of the company so basically that means they will throw any and all employees under the bus if they have to so that they do not get sued and they <coughs> excuse me and they are not held liable for what they do wrong You know, it's it's one of those things where you are never held liable for what you do right. You're always held liable for what you do wrong. And unfortunately with HR, that office and that type of job was created under the disguise of oh, we care about people. That's why they put the word human in front of resources. Human resources is is the number one department that does not value human rights, equal rights, any kind of equality or any kind of equal pay there's so much discrimination that takes place in human resources but yet they are protected by so many laws so just FYI be aware of that and one way the HR gets away with it is they act like they are your friend don't ever fall for that don't ever fall for that they are not your friend they are paid to chew you up and spit you out So don't fall for the charm, don't fall for the hospitality, don't fall for the I call it live love laugh hobby lobby plaque. You know this kind of fake Christianity, you know they may have bible verses on their wall or whatever and all these decorations that anybody can buy from Hobby Lobby so it doesn't really mean anything and I'm not against Hobby Lobby. I think Hobby Lobby is a great company. They have really good uh, goods and services. But I've noticed that the bigger the hypocrite the more they shop at certain places like this and here's the thing they're very self-righteous well jesus did not i'm not trying to be religious not by any means because i'm not religious i just choose to live a holy lifestyle jesus did not preach religiosity he did not preach oh you know memorize a verse and then rub rub that in everybody's face that's that's not god's way Jesus was not a hypocrite, but you'd be surprised how many Christians are hypocrites and they give the church a bad name and they give the God of Abraham a bad name. It doesn't stick because the God of Abraham is the God of Abraham. But what I'm talking about is where people will use religion, typically in these smaller towns or smaller cities and they will use um the the mindset of the nuclear family which I can't stand. They will use um basically live love laugh hobby lobby plaque that kind of mindset they will use Christianity against you and so it's one of those things that sometimes our federal government has to intervene 
to stop these different forms of discrimination because it leads to first of all it's wrong and it's illegal but also it leads to financial losses and sometimes extremely so. So that's why I'm not a fan necessarily of smaller banks because they can be very isolated and they only want certain people to have bank accounts with them. It's not based on liquidity, it's not based on credit. It's based on well, we only want people that are married and have kids. It's like, well, then you're totally discriminating against everybody that is single and you're discriminating against everyone that doesn't have kids or maybe can't have kids or maybe doesn't want kids. So there is tremendous amounts, I would say, of discrimination within smaller businesses because they run like small mom and pop shops and there tends to be a lot of nepotism. And so whenever you have nepotism, it tends to lead to tremendous amounts of discrimination and also hatred, but they disguise it with religion. And they typically use Christianity. So Christians get away with a lot and they should not. Cuz I find it very interesting that Christians will will call the they'll basically call the race card or the hypocrisy card on other religions except their own. I'm like, "No, no, no." There is so much corruption within the the Christian church and the reason why it's there is because people don't care to change half the time. Well, that's not being a Christian. Because the whole point of giving your life to Christ is that you're not going to live the life that you think you should live. You live the life that God thinks you should live and you're doing things God's way. But you'd be surprised how many Christians they don't view it like that, but they are quick to discriminate against other people. That's what I don't like. But anyway, moving on with this press release, it says depositors of the First State Bank will automatically become depositors of MVB Bank. The FDIC will continue to ensure deposits uh, so customers do not need to change their banking relationship in order to retain their deposit insurance coverage up to applicable limits, so basically up to 250k. Anything over that is a loss. Customers of the First State Bank should continue to use their existing branches until they receive notice from MVB Bank that it has complete systems changes to allow other MVB Bank branches to process their accounts as well. This evening and over the weekend, of course, this is back in time in 2020 in April. This evening and over the weekend, depositors of the First State Bank can access their money by writing checks or using ATM or debit cards. Checks drawn on the bank will continue to be processed. Loan customers should continue to make their payments as usual. Again, here we have a failed bank, but yet they are making a requirement for the customers to continue to pay into a broken system. That's why I don't like about this stuff, but also this is one reason why banks whenever a bank like this is up for bid for someone to take it over, they typically take it over pretty quick because they want people to continue to make their payments and they want people to continue to have access to their money, but they also want to make sure that they make money off of these loans. So it's 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 for a good reason and also a bad reason, but I do think that it's it's very easy and very common for banks to throw loan customers under the bus with things like this i'm like no 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 you threw the customer and the client under the bus by mismanaging the bank and whenever someone is mismanaging the bank that means they're mismanaging currency they're mismanaging money they're mismanaging loans they're they're mismanaging debits and credits like it's just really all bad so for them to make these stipulations that loan customers should continue to make their payments as usual it's like well where is their money going to go is it actually going to reflect to their bank account because they don't have a bank account anymore it's being taken over by another bank 
So there are some things that do need to change in regards to our financial institutions and our banking laws because a lot of this is set up against the client. It is set up against the customer. And I don't like that because there should be equality. But usually within a bank, there is no equality. It's all about the bank and the bankers and that's not right. Am I against bankers and banks? No. Most of them are quite good. Most of them are good people, but It's things like this where the FDIC and the federal government as well as any state agencies that are involved in this, they tend to side with the bank, but not the borrowers and and not the people that need money and that need access to their paycheck. Cuz we're not just talking about loans, we're talking about people that, you know, they get paid from their boss or their or their company. And so they have a paycheck that they need to deposit so that way they can pay their bills. Well, good luck with that when you have a bank failing. So just FYI be aware of that. It says borrowers whose finances are impacted by the coronavirus pandemic should contact their original loan officers or call the contact information provided in their loan statements before addressing requests for modifications to MVB Bank. Now here's the thing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to pass the hockey puck to somebody else but not to the bank that is actually taking them over and I disagree with that. I disagree with that. If this bank, MVB Bank, takes over another bank, They should be able to handle these loans and the questions that customers have. But here we have the FDIC saying, "Oh, don't bother them. They're just taking over the bank, but they they shouldn't have to answer your questions." Oh, contraire. They should answer questions because they're taking over the bank, and rightfully so. They want a bid. The FDIC, you know, said, "Hey, you won the bid. Take it over. Do everything legally and morally, so to speak." But you know the FDIC is basically saying, "Hey, you can take over the bank, but you don't have to be held responsible to the people of this bank, the customers that have questions." That's a big problem. So that is basically the FDIC siding with the new bank and the old bank, but not the client, not the customer and not the depositor. So that shows you how the federal government works. It doesn't really value people like what you think. Just FYI be aware of that, but then again, the FDIC does tend to run or operate like a federal agency and most federal agencies do not really value people they do not really value human life they typically only value their job and how important they can look publicly so to speak goes on to say as of December 31st 2019 the first state bank had approximately 152.4 million dollars in total assets and 139.5 million dollars in total deposits In addition to assuming all of the deposits, MVB Bank agreed to purchase approximately 147.2 million dollars of the First State Bank's assets. The FDIC will retain the remaining assets for later disposition. So basically that means MVB Bank, they took on quite a bit actually, but the FDIC is probably taking on the assets that are not good, which is not very many here, so I'm surprised by that. goes on to say the FDIC estimates that the cost to the deposit insurance fund also known as DIF will be 46.8 million dollars compared to other alternatives MVB Bank's acquisition was the least costly resolution for the deposit insurance fund which again was created by Congress in 1933 and is managed by the FDIC to protect the deposits at the nation's banks so This bank failure did not cost the American people billions, but it did cost $46.8 million. And um, that's, that's not a good thing, but I do understand why they did it. So this bank, again, MVB Bank, they won the bid. 
and rightfully so, and the FDIC agreed with them that they should take over this bank, and MVB Bank, not only did they win the bid, but they took over quite a bit of this bank in a way that they didn't have to. They didn't have to take on all this debt and all this bad stuff going on, but they chose to do so. More than likely, it was to help protect the depositors because they probably looked at the bank statements and the balance sheets and were probably thinking, wow, these people are idiots and the depositors, you know, do not deserve this catastrophe. So, you know, kudos to MVV Bank Incorporated of Fairmont, West Virginia. because they they took on quite a risk here because we're not just talking a few pennies or a few dollars they took on millions of dollars of a financial risk and it was already a burden to begin with so you know what you have to remember is that whenever a bank wins a bid to take over a failed bank they are not only acquiring the good but they're they are taking over the good the bad the ugly in regards to what was going on with this failed bank because the whole purpose of a bank to take over another bank like this especially a failed bank is so that it's no longer a failure well that takes a lot of risk especially financial risk and also their bank managers for MVB bank they have to know what they're doing in order to take over this bank and to make sure that it does not fail because now that they have taken it over and this is going back in time to 2020 whenever you take over a bank like this you you basically want to be successful i mean why else would you spend millions of dollars and it just go to waste so you know mvb bank is on the hook for millions of dollars for this and so they've they've really got to make it work otherwise they will go under so it is a tremendous risk for another bank to take over another bank like this especially when it is a bank failure it's not just a merger or a buyout this bank completely failed the first state bank in Barbersville West Virginia it was, it was a complete and utter failure complete and utter failure there there are no ifs ands or buts about that it it completely failed and so Whenever you have a bank that takes it over, it's a pretty serious thing because they're taking on all that financial risk, like I said, the good, the bad, the ugly. And so they want to make sure that that people still have access to their paychecks, their 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 loans, uh their accounts, their their safety deposit boxes, their savings. I mean, anything and everything that goes on at the bank, they're trying to protect and preserve the depositors. and more than likely it's over it's over that threshold of 250k cuz there are many things that can happen after that 250k mark you know like you can buy CDs and and you know, different things like that stocks and bonds whatever the case may be there's so many different um uh, i would say financial um products or entities within a bank so MVB Bank took over all of that so they took on a tremendous financial risk and they have to be able to handle it So that's one reason why these different banks they put in a bid to the federal government to the FDIC and they have to prove that they themselves are financially stable to take over another bank and that they know what they're doing and they have an idea of how to help the depositors stay safe but under their umbrella of this new bank because technically they are merging two banks and all these accounts. So it is a lot of money. The American people were put on the hook for this. Stupidly, this bank failed. Um the First State Bank of Barbersville, West Virginia, they completely and utterly failed and the American people paid the price for that because whenever a failed bank 
whenever that happens and they dip into that that fund it's you and I that are paying for that it's not just the new bank it's not just the old bank it's all of us all of us we contribute to that fund via taxes via fees via all this stuff because again banks have to pay into that via the monies that they make off their customers well their customers are you and me so that financial risk is spread across the board it's like socialism and i don't agree with that but that's just kind of how it is with that fund and how it is supplied money and sometimes i agree with the federal government and what it does with it sometimes i do not so this bank it, it wasn't the worst fa- failure that we've seen so far i think the worst one was silicon valley bank and and signature bank would be my guess at this point but also those were the two most recent and they were kind of shocking But I mean nothing should really shock us with the banking sector especially when you have a democrat in office because typically whenever you have a democrat in office for president a lot of stuff goes down that you never thought would go down that's just how it is the same thing happened with president obama the same thing happened um with jimmy carter and other democrats in times past so it's usually republican presidents that whenever they come into office they've got a whole lot of mess to clean up and so then all, all of that is put on them to fix the previous person's mistakes that's kind of what is happening here with different bank failures the new bank that comes in and buys out or wins the bid for a failed bank they have to clean up all the mistakes of the previous bank and that that would be a tough battle but it is one that is worth winning because you are protecting the depositor you are protecting the customer you you are protecting your clients and also you you're doing everything you can to stabilize that bank and the financial sector and to preserve our currency that's another reason why banks help each other out like this it's not just you scratch my back I'll scratch yours it's nothing like that it has to go through the FDIC and the reason why is because in every single bank failure the FDIC has to become the receiver The FDIC has to get involved in order for these banks to be able to dip into that deposit insurance fund otherwise they can't get any money federally. So, you know, there is a rhyme and a reason for why they do these things the way that they do. Hopefully it is always on the up and up, but as we've seen times past is not because again Silicon Valley Bank got a pretty cushy deal that other banks do not get. and hopefully that doesn't happen again because that that really put a financial strain on America and that's not right to do that especially when the federal government is spending trillions of dollars and we are in trillions of dollars in debt and that's not appropriate for a successful country to be like that you know if we are going to be a light on the hill to shine to everyone then we 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 definitely need to fill those boots like we need to be who we say we are as a country and as a people and we cannot be spending trillions of dollars in debt we should not be spending all this money that we do not have as a country and we can get back on our feet but we we need someone in office that will pull the reins on all these different agencies that are just overspending because it's ridiculous i would say and i'll close with this one of the biggest um agencies that overspends is the dod the department of defense they overspend and a lot of money goes missing and i understand that that is our military but there there are many people in the higher up positions basically upper management of our military 
that they don't have a clue what they're doing and some of them do know what they're doing and they're cheating the American public out of millions if not billions of dollars every year and that's a problem and they should be held accountable for that because look at this way if they, if a bank manager or a CEO were to behave like some of the officials in our in the Department of Defense these bankers and upper management they would be thrown in federal prison but the department of defense they get away with so much stuff they get away with overspending all the time in these really shady government contracts that's not right that's not right at all it's it's totally jipping the american public and it also puts our men and women in service at risk you know whenever they're having to go fight for the country you know i just hope they know what they're really fighting for and that they don't give up and they do not lose hope you know that's my thing but you know corruption it's kind of those things that with the federal government it's like they can be corrupt but no one else can And here's the thing, no one should be corrupt. No one's too big to fail. And so this is one of those things that, you know, if the FDIC is is going to be strict with banks, then the federal government needs to be strict with itself because there there's a whole lot of money being wasted on things that we do not need to pay for and those monies could actually help out our citizens. Tremendously so. But I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely episode. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye bye. Don't let this world go down without a fight